Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. In celebration of March's Women's History Month, we've decided to interview inspirational women from the community. This week's guest is Jacqueline DeGregorio. Jacqueline is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, podcast host, and life coach. In 2020, she gave a TEDx talk about building courage, and she comes with a wealth of knowledge around all things mindset and inspiration. In this week's episode, Jacqueline explains how she has created her dream life at age 25 and how she helps her clients do the same. She shares several powerful mindset tools, including how to set effective goals, how to work through limiting beliefs, and ultimately how to switch possibility to inevitability. We also discuss the story behind her brand, Spark Your Light, as well as her inspiring personal journey in entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you today. So looking through your content, I noticed that your podcast is called Spark Your Light. And I feel like that encompasses a lot of your different identities, sparking your light as a life coach, as a speaker, as an author. I was wondering, why did you call your podcast Spark Your Light? And what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I feel like what's really important about the name is this concept that we all have one life to live. And I feel like it's our duty to live a life that genuinely lights us up inside. I want people to feel excited about their life and jump out of bed in the morning with a smile on their face about the life that they're living and who they're being and what they're pursuing. And I think that we deserve to have that fire inside of us, but the problem that a lot of people face and the reason that a lot of people end up living somewhat of a mediocre life is because they don't have that spark. And I think people seek motivation. And I, I've heard so many times people say, well, I'm just not motivated. I'm not like you. I'm different from you. One of my biggest goals with the work I do is to show people that you can create a life similar to mine. It doesn't have to be the exact same path as mine. You don't have to be an entrepreneur, but rather a life that you genuinely love. Step into living your dream life. I feel like I'm already living my dream life at 25 years old and it's only going to get better. 
And I want people to know that I'm no different. I'm not special. I wasn't born with any genius traits. You know, I'm just like you. I'm just human. And I'm not more motivated than you are. I really believe motivation is like food and we need to like feed our brains the way we feed our bellies. And so I purposely consume content that makes me feel good. That makes me feel excited. That helps me believe in myself. And I want to be that spark for other people. And so in, in everything I do and all of my content, my courses, working with clients, I want to be their spark. I want to remind them of what's possible, of the light that's inside them, of that, that warm lit up feeling that they can feel and sometimes they can borrow it from me i can bring the energy i think there's something beautiful about energy and how we can take on other people's energy and it can be a really great thing when you're in the room with someone or listening to someone or reading something that someone wrote who has this powerful i would call it a higher vibration but it can be expressed in any kind of way just you know that feeling it's like i want what she has I want to feel that excitement and passion for my life. And so I want to be that person. Um, But the story behind the actual coming up with the name is pretty fun. Uh, It's kind of a lesson in personal branding for anyone who maybe wants to have a personal brand or really even purpose in general. So I was working with a, a branding coach trying to figure out like, who am I? I was so confused. What do I call myself? Uh, you know, I work with a variety of people and, I create content on so many different areas. I don't have a niche like a lot of people teach in business. And so I felt really confused and I hired a branding coach. We did this exercise where I went out and I asked the people in my life, the people who mattered to me, you know, family, friends, even clients and students describe me. And I would write down the words they used and we looked for the themes. And in almost every single description was some form of light. You're my sunshine on a cloudy day. You make me feel, I don't know, it was all kinds of metaphors around light. And so she's like, that's it. You're the light. You're the sun. And um, that's how we came up with Spark Your Light. So I think it's a really cool lesson because I don't have to put on a face. It's not like I'm on, I'm on now. I'm creating content. I have to be my brand. I just am my brand. And so like if someone were to meet me in the grocery store, I think that they would be like, wow. You're just like I thought you would be, or I hope that. I hope that that's like one of my goals as someone who kind of has this online presence to be the same in person as I am online. Uh, So it was a really fun process to come up with my brand and it just feels so authentic. And I think when you're building something that's so close to your heart, the more authentic and true to yourself that you can be, the more that it feels in alignment. And so I'm so grateful that I went through that process and that's kind of how my branding started because it doesn't follow a lot of the rules. Like I've taken so many business courses and things and they tell you like basically not to do what I'm doing, but I don't, I don't follow the rules. I just listen to what feels right in my heart and it always guides me and it always works. It's build a successful business. And it's just kind of funny how we have all the answers inside of us. I think that's kind of the moral of it here. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And for the audiences, because this is an audio only format, as Jacqueline is explaining her intention, the ethos of sparking a light, we can visibly see the light spark up in your eyes. So we know you're not just talking that talk, right? You actually practice what you preach and you preach what you practice, which I think a lot of people do fall short on. And my question is, I think often when I speak with people that carry similar energy and vibrancy as you do, they almost have to experience this comfort to, to appreciate the comfort 
they almost had to experience pain to appreciate the purpose. And I think I could see a sense of gratitude through your message and would love to explore that with you for a bit of how that carried that gratitude with you through your mission as of now and some of the experiences and the journey that took you to that place. Yeah, I think all human beings go through pain, no matter what circumstances you were born into, really wonderful or really awful. I think that pain is part of the human experience. Brooke Castillo, the founder of the Life Coach School, says that life is 50-50 for everyone, no matter how successful you are. And I love that because I, I live that. It's it's really funny because I thought that when I hit a certain level of success, when I wasn't stressed about money anymore, when you know my business was sort of sustainable, that life would be so much easier. And it is in one sense, right? Like there's a lot of, I'm so grateful to not have to like worry how we're going to pay our bills or, um, you know, feel so caught up in what's my business model. I feel so confused and all of these things that plagued me for a long time. But at the same time, it's like crappy stuff still happens. There's still hard days and I'm just human. I have the same brain. I'm the same person. So in one sense, it's this gratitude of the pain because the pain helps us. And, and I think that when I was living in more, more deep pain than I am now, more hardship, more struggle, I resented it. I felt like a victim a lot. I'm not going to lie, um, which I, I really don't like the victim mentality, but I think it's natural for us sometimes to fall into that. I felt like, why is this happening to me? Why isn't my business working? And if you've never heard me speak before, or this is the first time we're meeting and you're listening, I failed for the first almost three full years in my business, losing money, and I, and I kept going. And it was very painful and very hard, and I wanted to give up so many times. What I didn't understand when I was living it is that pain was really serving me. I always see failure in general as either a lesson or a redirection. And through all of my experiences, it was, it's so clear, like, oh, that was the lesson I needed to learn because it's preparing me for this goal I'm embarking on now. Or, oh, wow, I was redirected because I wasn't meant, I was, for example, I was building an app. Um, so I was being like the tech CEO. It's not my zone of genius. It's not my skill set. It's not what I was meant to do in the world. And so God, universe, whatever you believe in was, was redirecting me to this place I am now where I'm doing work that really uses my gifts and talents that I was born with. And we all have those inside of us. And sometimes the only way we're going to uncover those is by failing, by going through pain, by having these moments where we question everything. So I think pain is a really beautiful thing. And I still experience pain. It's definitely different pain. Uh, it's definitely, I would say, easier to solve your problems when you have more time, more money, a better support system, all kinds of things that I've built but there's still problems and my brain still freaks out and tries to sabotage everything and like all the things they still happen to me we still have bad experiences we we still have hard times but now because i've experienced all this i really every time i'm in this painful situation i tell myself things like well this is happening in my favor this is serving me or this pain is teaching me something what's the lesson here and it's not to brush away the feelings because I think this is an important note to make. I think people sometimes shut off positivity and they're like, oh, it's this sort of fake positivity where you're just brushing things under the rug. I don't believe in that kind of positivity. What I believe is that your emotions need to be felt and experienced because what you resist persists. But as you work through them more and more, I think you can shift faster 
Like it used to take me weeks and weeks after one, you know, one rejection in my business to get back up. Whereas now I can maybe journal on it or, um, just kind of allow myself to sit with the feelings for 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I've released that. I feel like I've been able to let that go and process the emotion. So I'm really grateful for pain and I'm really grateful for the challenges. And I think that anyone who's listening, who's maybe going through something right now, especially this year with the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, a lot of people are going through some incredibly difficult times. And I just want you to know that there's power in this pain and sometimes pain can be your biggest launching pad. It's like the trampoline to create everything you want in life. They say good is the enemy of great. Well, the good thing is it's not good. And so that means that you can change. Whereas if you're stuck in this average good life, sometimes it's even more difficult for people to get out of their comfort zone and to change something. So allow yourself to process your pain, to feel it, to get the help that you need, support system you need, and know that it's serving you. And you might be having these experiences to create something better, to really change your life. Because human beings, as Tony Robbins says, are motivated by moving away from pain much more than they're motivated by moving towards pleasure. So it's actually a blessing. And trust that. That's what I would say about pain. Yeah, that really resonates for me, especially the life situation I'm going through right now. I think for the longest time, I kind of just appreciated as a natural optimist. I just appreciated the situation I was in uh, with my job, but I spent my 27th birthday working from 9 until 9.30 p.m. And I just realized that wasn't the life that I wanted to be living. I wanted to be spending time with friends and family and really celebrating that day. But the pain of that one seemingly small coincidence or incident really showed me that it wasn't the life that I wanted to be living. And an idea that really comes to mind is darkness isn't darkness. It's just the absence of light. So the only way to get out of those dark places is to like scrub the dirt off the windows and allow the light to shine through. And I think that captures a lot of your spark your light kind of idea. It's you have to physically scrub the dirt and look at the dirt rather than just like ignore it and try and go through the positivity lens, but really scrubbing off the dirt by working through it. And then that ultimately allows the light come in. And I kind of want to zoom in on the idea that you brought up of lessons or redirections, because I think it's easy to learn the lesson of, hey, I should or shouldn't do this or, you know, whatever that lesson is, I think it's sometimes easy to figure out what that is. But the redirection part is the thing that I'm personally struggling the most with and I think a lot of people get just caught up with is once you realize what that lesson is, what does the redirection process look like for you? I mean, maybe that's speaking to your stories of your entrepreneurship journey of once you realized X didn't work, how do you figure out what Y and Z are going to look like? Is that reflection, intention, but really how do you embody those lessons and make a change in the moving forward? Yeah, I think that this is the hardest part, for sure. Like, I remember times that I failed and the times that I felt really down. It sort of feels like I have no idea where I want to go. And I remember because I hired a coach, actually, when I was in this time of, I failed for two and a half years. I don't know what to do with my life. My fiance, Richie, who was at the time my boyfriend and I were talking about, we want to buy a house. And I had no money. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, I just... I felt so low and this coach asked me, 
well, where do you want to be in 10 years? And I looked at her and I'm like, 10 years? I don't know where I want to be tomorrow. And I think sometimes we hear this content, right, on podcasts and it's so out of touch with where we are now. And so my biggest takeaway in that moment that I've really embodied in my coaching and I try to teach in my content is you have to meet yourself exactly where you are, where you are. So for me, when that coach asked me where I wanted to be in 10 years and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do tomorrow, I had to just ask myself, okay, well, what would feel good tomorrow? And even sometimes that's hard because you're like, well, I don't even know. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I hear that so often. I disagree. I think deep down you do know, but there's a lot of, it's like a garden. I've heard this metaphor before, but there's so many weeds in the garden. It's hard to even see the flowers. Mm -hmm. And so you got to just go one step at a time. So if you don't even know what you want or what you want to do next, what that next step is, you can also just ask yourself, what would feel slightly better than how I feel now? So it's like, if you're in a really crappy job that you hate and the thought of like making a massive, massive career change, like switching industries completely, or, um, you know, quitting your job and starting a business or something like that's really drastic feels like almost like it's, it's, it's almost like a complete identity crisis. Like you just wouldn't even be able to wrap your mind around that. But if you thought, you know, if I switched to this department or I did this one small step, right. If I just you know, even ask, can I do an internship in this other role? Can I, you know, one small step that's just going to be slightly better than where you are now. It's this concept that James Clear talks about, about like 1% improvement. That would be 365%. Your life would be literally three times better in a year. So if you get three extra happiness one year from now, anyone would say yes. And if all you have to do is just take 1%, the teeniest step towards that. And it can be in all areas of your life. It could be like one conversation with a loved one about, hey, it would help me if you did X, Y, Z. I would feel a lot happier if you did this or, you know, like the smallest things. Hey, mom, it bothers me when you do X, Y, Z, like the teeniest things, your boss. Hey, I feel insecure when you say blah, blah, blah to me. Like the smallest steps can make the biggest difference. And so this is the concept in my TEDx. And I give the metaphor of when I ran a marathon and I had a stress fracture three weeks before the marathon, I knew I had it. I'm a crazy human. So I decided to run anyway. And, um, my ankle really hurt during the marathon and I, I wanted to stop running. I really did. It was in a lot of physical pain. And I think physical pain is a beautiful metaphor for the emotional pain we often feel. And that's why I love like challenging your body physically and exercise and all the things I have a comfort zone challenge. It's one of my online courses. And they do things like uh, run a mile longer than you think you can, take a freezing cold shower, all those things to really inflict the physical pain on your body because I think it's really powerful. Um, but anyways, when I was running and I wanted to give up, I had a really profound thought. And it's interesting because I wasn't even into personal development at this time. So I don't know where this thought came from. My intuition, because we always, we always know deep down, we don't really need all the things we think we need. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. I said, Jacqueline, can you just take one more step? And the answer was yes, I could just take one more step. And every single time I took a step after that, I felt that I could take one more. If, if you asked me to run another mile, I would stop. But if you asked me to just take one more step, I could do it. And I took one more step over and over and over again for 14 more miles until I finished the race. And that's exactly what you have to do when you're in this place of redirection. You're going to figure it out. And you have to also trust that you know. I think trusting yourself on a deeper level, whenever people tell me they don't know what they want, they don't know what's next, 
when we zoom out, I think this is a big thing, zooming out. Like I was so caught up in like, my app's not working. I created a physical product, it failed. What kind of business do I want? But when I zoomed out and said, what do I really want? Well, I want it to be happy. I want it to have a thriving business. I want it to be financially independent. I want it to feel fulfilled. Like those were those components in my career, right? That I wanted. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I just didn't know the how. And there's something that I teach when we talk about manifestation is that the how's not your job. Your job is the what and the why. What do you want? Why do you want it? And the what can be broad. The what can be, I want to be happy in my career, feel fulfilled, and be financially free, which I think that every human wants. I've never met a human who doesn't want those three things. They may have a little bit of resistance around money and limiting beliefs around money. So I say financially independent or financially free instead of wealthy, um, because I think that that triggers a lot of people. But I would actually argue on a deeper rooted level, we all also want to be wealthy because why wouldn't you want to have this tool that can do so much good in your life and the lives of loved ones and others and all these things, but that's a whole other conversation to get into. So when you zoom out and you ask yourself, like, what are those things that I want? You probably know. And if you just focus on that next step, what's going to make me 1% happier tomorrow, one step at a time, that's incredible. Sometimes the caveat to this is that you'll hit moments like that birthday where you were working till 9.30 p.m. where the pain of moving, the discomfort of the unknown of the future, of the risks and vulnerability is less than the pain of staying where you are. And that's when you'll make a drastic change in your life. So I had my my really good friend, she just left her corporate job for her business because she got switched to a different team. And on her new team, she was working crazy hours. Her boss was really mean. And that it was just so painful that it was much less painful to like take a real risk and commit to her business full time. And so we'll also have moments like that. But you'll know when you have that moment, you just know. It's just my clients will come to me and say, this is it. I'm leaving this relationship. I'm getting a different job. I'm starting this business. I'm, and, and there's just that moment. And the moment's not good nor bad. I believe that we're often led to that moment because we're not moving on our own. But when you're in the place that I was a few years ago when I was hiring that life coach and I felt like everything was down, I didn't have one of those just single life-changing pivotal moments. I had all the 1% increases. And so I would say it ends up, being one of those two. And often you might start with the 1% increases and eventually get to the moment because that's what happened for me. So I had those 1% increases. This conversation with the life coach was, I I believe it was like early 2018. And then by the end of 2018 was my pivotal moment. Christmas morning, I woke up and I was like, I can't do anything that I've been doing anymore. And, And it's like when you have that moment, the pivotal moment of the pain of staying where I am is worse than the pain of where I'm going. It doesn't matter when or where it hits. It's like the worst timing ever and you can't hold it inside you. So for me, it was Christmas morning. My family celebrates Christmas. So it was very uncomfortable for my parents for me to wake up on Christmas morning, but I couldn't hold it in. Instead of opening presents, I was like, everything I did in my business the past two and a half years, I'm leaving it behind. I'm starting basically a completely different business and I'm going to be a motivational speaker and try to travel the world and help people and inspire them. My parents were like, what? They were so concerned. They were so worried. I literally ruined their Christmas, but looking back now, they're obviously very happy. Uh, So that's when you know 
there's nothing you can do to kind of um, engineer that pivotal moment. And it's not good nor bad. You don't necessarily need one. You could get there through those 1% improvements as well. So you'll know when you're at the pivotal moment. So my takeaway for you is if you're not there, just do the 1%, one step at a time. What's going to be just a little better, a little happier, a little more fulfilled. Instead of feeling like you have to see the whole road, just look for, you know, you're holding like a little flashlight and what you can see right in front of you and just go that far, go that far again and again and again, a thousand times. And you've driven like so many miles. I love that. I have a saying that I always kind of come back to and it's make progress constant. It's just three simple words, but it's just like that continuous as small as the progress is just make that a constant in your life. Keep moving forward. I really like the flashlight analogy of like, you don't need to see where the flashlight goes at the end of the road, but just the next step in front of you. And as you're telling your story, uh, the one thing that I'm really fascinated about is you keep referring to feelings of when you're working with this coach, it's not what do you want to do, but like, how do you want to feel? You said, I want to be financial, feel financially free, feel happy, and just have those more emotional states rather than have a business, be a speaker, like it's much less of the doing and more of the feelings. To me, this brings up a concept that I worked on my coach with of be, do, have, embodying the being first, and then kind of like the doing and the having comes after. So I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Like, why are you telling these story about like what you want to do in your business, but you're talking about how you want to feel at the end of the day? Um, and I saw your eyes light up a little bit when I mentioned <laughs> be, do, have, so... I'm sure you've got things to say, but would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I love this. So if you think about any goal you have, you probably don't care as much about the goal, but there's a feeling attached to the goal. So like, why do I want to have a million dollar business? Because I want to feel secure. I want to feel successful. I want to feel proud. I want to feel like I'm impacting people. I want to feel free. Right? It's all about a feeling. It has literally nothing to do with the actual object or goal that we set or accomplishment. Everything we're chasing in life on a deep level is feelings. And I think this is a really powerful just wake-up call for people because it causes me to question everything I want. Why do I want it? I've had a lot of realizations recently, actually, like certain goals I set. And then when I questioned why, 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 Sometimes the why is not very good, right? Sometimes the why is I need to prove myself to other people. It's sort of ego driven, right? Versus the why of this is for me. This is for how I'm going to feel. And this is about my family and my loved ones. And versus this is about someone else or something else or status or right. Like what's the why behind it? So it's been really powerful as I get to like high operating at higher levels and setting bigger goals. I question them. And I think that's really powerful. Um, so I love be, do, have, because this is something that I teach in terms of manifestation too. So like when you realize that it's all about the feelings and those are the things you want, one of the best ways to manifest, and if you're listening and you're like, that word seems really out there or whatever, um, you know, the way that I really see manifestation is just like taking a goal you have in your mind, a vision, something you want for your life and bringing it to your reality helping see it to fruition. Um, I think there's a lot of like misunderstanding in the world about what manifestation is. And sure, sometimes it's really unexpected, beautiful opportunities that fall into your lap, but other times it's calculated action steps that lead to a result you wanted, right? When we look at law of attraction, for example, the concept of it is like attracts like. So whatever frequency you're vibrating at, which essentially means whatever feelings 
and energy you're putting out into the world, that's what you attract back to yourself. I teach, essentially, you just want to, you want to feel really good. You want to raise your feelings. So that's why so much of my life is follow what feels good. Sometimes Richie, my fiance, thinks I'm crazy because I'll say things like, oh, I'm working. He's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to the spa. He's like, oh, you're working? And I'm like, yeah, because when I feel good, I make money. And it's like this, but it's real. I'll, I'll walk out of the, my massage and I got five sales of an online course. And I, I really believe this to my core. Um, and what's cool about beliefs is that whatever you believe is true will physically manifest because that's the way like our brains on a scientific level are trained to work. That's a whole other conversation. So I, I won't go into that. But essentially with Be Do Have, it's like if you can just feel the feelings, the being of what you want now, two things happen. One, it will physically manifest because like attracts like. And two, you don't even feel like you need it. This is where it's so powerful. Like if I was chasing this security, but I could feel the feelings of security now, I don't even need the security, which actually helps the manifestation further because one of the keys of manifestation is detaching from the outcome. When you don't need it, that's when you that's when you get it. So like my friend with her job, um, when we were talking about it, I told her like this concept that we were playing around a lot between the two of us was when she feels like she could stay, that's when she's ready to leave. When she feels like I can't take this any longer, that's when she needs to stay. And, and it's this funny concept of attaching because when we attach, we think that when we do this thing, it's gonna feel a certain way. So if she was super like attached, like I need to leave my job tomorrow, she thinks that when she leaves her job, the anxiety is gonna go away, the stress is gonna go away. But then what if she wakes up and all of a sudden she's anxious and stressed about her business? A lot of times people do this in relationships, they'll leave one relationship because they say like, oh, I don't feel X, Y, Z anymore. Um, or a job, same thing with a job. Th this crappy job, you know, all these things, I wanna feel happy, I wanna feel whatever. And then they're like, why do I always attract crappy, partners or crappy jobs it's like it's your thoughts about the job it's not the job that creates your feelings so then it goes back to a whole other level of the power of choosing our thoughts we can choose our thoughts and our thoughts create our feelings so with be do have essentially what i teach and what i practice is that most people do have do be right so or they think it's have do be so i always use the business example because it's easy to grasp when i have a million dollar business then i will do things that the million dollar ceo does and i will be that person but our whole life goes the opposite way. We operate from identity. So our identity, so I am a seven-figure CEO, then creates my thoughts, then creates my words, my actions, and then my circumstances, right? So my circumstances are a direct result of those things. I am fully in control of my circumstances. I'm out of control of the outside world, COVID, but I'm in control of me, my business, my results. B is identity, right? And I want to talk about this concept because I used to understand it, but not know it. This is something that uh, Jim Fortin talks about. He gives the example of um, if you were given a book about how to swim and you memorized it, and then we threw you in a pool, you probably wouldn't know how to swim, but you would understand how to swim. And so there's a difference between understanding and knowing. And I think this is one of the number one problems in personal development. We listen to the content. We read the books and we understand it. And we try to know it, but sometimes we just don't. Sometimes there's a disconnect, right? Until you live it. So the first step is take action on the things that you learn. But sometimes you take action and you're just not getting it. And so that's how I was with you do have. I actually, I used to think, okay, I gotta be the, at this time I was like, I gotta be the six figure CEO if I wanna have a six figure business. 
And then I would, I would just do the dumbest things. Like it was all about doing, it was all about do not be. And so I, I hired a full-time employee that I could not afford. It was a train wreck. I had to lay her off. Um, I did, I just did so many things of like, this is what six figure people do. And none of it were things that I actually needed. And I, I wasn't being, I was doing. And I think the biggest thing that has shifted for me is just who I believe I am. And I'm at this place now where I believe I am the next level. So it's like, this is the key. You have to adapt the identity before you see the physical, tangible proof in your reality. So it's difficult for people. How do you do that? This is where it gets really complicated, but it's actually simple. And the way that I bridge the gap and the thing that I teach is you just have to believe you're in the process of creating it. So like, for example, with my business, my goal this year is multiple six figures. And so I fully believe that I'm in the process of creating that, even if it doesn't add up yet, right? Even if I look at my last month's income and I multiply it by 12 and it's not there yet, right? I just believe it's who I am. And I think that's the key to creating anything you want in your life. If you can adapt the identity then you will have it. And just to give a tangible example for those of you who might be really like science-based and you think some of this is out there. I was reading, I know, um, To Sell Us to Human. In the book, he gives this study of an elementary school classroom and they were studying identity and how it plays out. So they had three groups. They had group one was encouraged to clean their classroom every day. So they were given the do. Their teachers, the janitors, anyone who was in and out of the classroom told the students, elementary school students, make sure to tidy up, make sure to put your backpack away, throw out your trash. Every day they had physical reminders, reinforcement of the action step. That was group one. Group two was given the identity. So they were given no action steps, but every day their teachers, their janitors, anyone who came to the classroom told them, you guys are so neat and tidy. Your classroom is so clean. And they gave them the identity of being neat, tidy, clean, organized every day. And this was over, a, I think it was one week period. And then group three was a um, control group. So nothing was, they were given nothing and they measured before and after the week how their classroom was. And it was not even sort of comparable. The results with the identity group, I think it was like 90% cleaner, the classroom, than the group that was told to keep their room clean. And so that just shows when we're beating ourselves down, you should go to the gym, you should do this. It's not creating the change we want. Habits really go back to an identity level. And if we can change that, we can change everything in our life. So that's why I love Be Do Have. It's also really powerful when you don't need the goal you want, which goes back to the feelings thing. Because when you believe it's who you are, it would be great to have it, you still want it, but it's like, oh, I know that's happening. When you believe it's who you are, it's inevitable for it not to happen. And that's when things manifest. I talk a lot about possibility. And then how do you switch your possibility to inevitability? Once you get there, magic. And that's really the key. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. The first thought that came to my mind is uh, I'm a Christian myself. Since we're talking about the importance of identity, I've recently done a series of actions to recommit and reconfirm and reaffirm my identity as Christian because I've neglected that in the past because of my full-time work, because of this podcast. The core message of last week's sermon really resonated with me. The sermon was about time, right? And then the, the pastor said that yesterday is history, 
tomorrow's mystery. All we can is to conquer the day ahead. Uh, he also talks about the, what's the difference between wishes and goals. He said it as wishes are dreams without a timeline. Goals are dreams with a timeline. So the possibility of your success increases as the duration of time decreases. Right? Because when you think about 10 years time span, when your life coach explained that to you, it was so unfathomable for you to even imagine what the 10 years is like. So you are overwhelmed with the idea of 10 year plan. Instead, you reframed it as rather than doing wishes without a 10 year goal, let's suppress that timeline into a one day increment. Once again, yesterday is history. We can't change anything. Tomorrow is mystery. We don't know what's going to happen. But as you can conquer the day ahead of you, if you can make another step with your broken ankle, you can reaffirm your identity that I can make a second step, a third step which I think talks about the power of your ability to reframe situations. And I share that because I've noticed your ability to reflect throughout your storytelling. And I'm wondering what did that reflective ability came from? Did it came from your experiences? Do you think that's part of your personality trait? Because I think a lot of times, whether just having the lessons aren't enough, just having the signs aren't enough. Of course, you have to be receptive towards the signs, but if you don't do the reflections, your actions also is stemming from a limiting belief. So I'd love to dig your brain a little bit about how you were able to utilize your ability to reflect through the pain, through the gratitude, through the goods and the loves. So I think that most of us in our lives from a young age probably had experiences where we wanted one thing. We were set on it. We we're like, this is the thing I want. And it didn't work out and we were devastated. And then something better happened. Almost everyone I've spoken to has, has had an experience like that. And two that I can think of in my life pre all of this personal development was one, I really wanted to go to Cornell for college. I applied early decision and I was denied and I was devastated. And I had to be sad for, I don't know, I applied early decision December. So like maybe four months or so until I got my other college letters and I was accepted to Georgetown, which wasn't even on my radar really. I randomly, my parents like basically forced me, <laughs> encouraged me to apply. They're like, we like Georgetown. And I was like, eh. We visited one time and I still was set on this fashion major that they didn't have. So I was like, they don't have fashion. I don't know. And Georgetown was like the biggest blessing in my life. Not only did I meet some of my best friends and it was really hard, which actually trained me for entrepreneurship. I was like very miserable, a significant amounts of time because my classes were so hard and I felt I felt so much less than everyone else. And this is when I really built my belief that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how smart I am. It doesn't matter, you know, what anyone else has over me. I can do anything I set my mind to. And that's when I built so much of my own self-belief and like that I was in control of my outcomes and also that it was okay to fail when I got bad grades. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything about me. And there was so much growth that happened there as well as opportunities for my business. Um, I pitched in a pitch contest that I got third place in and I got to meet some incredible mentors and just so many things happened as a result of, I mean, gosh, I wouldn't have written my book if I didn't meet my professor. I probably wouldn't even have a business. I don't know. I don't know how my life would be different. So that was one example. And then another one is relationships. There were failed relationships that didn't work and I was so set on like, why isn't this working? What's wrong? And then I met Richie who I'm now marrying and it was a thousand times better than anything before. I couldn't even comprehend like, wow, why did I want that? No offense, but you know, that thing you thought you wanted, it's so much better. And so I had those experiences and this was pre getting into personal development for both of those. And I, I kind of saw that as when something bad happens, usually something else opens. It might be later, it might be years. 
And that was just kind of a natural reflection, I guess you could say, as someone who tried to justify the hard times, tried to pick myself back up when things weren't going my way. But the serious reflection and the serious, like, on any hard time and, I mean, in daily life, saying affirmations to myself out loud, it's this or something better, or uh, everything's happening in my favor. And, I mean, this is this is how I talk to myself all day. I have a call with a potential client, and it, and it doesn't seem like they're a good fit. I say thank you, universe, for thank you, God, for saving me because this this was not going to be the right fit for this person or for me. And I'm really grateful. Maybe this person wouldn't have paid. Maybe this person would have been a really challenging client. Maybe um, maybe they're meant to work with someone else, and that's great. And there's someone else coming my way that's like my ideal client. And I mean, I just I do it in real time all the time. I didn't do that in the past. It was like when catastrophic big life events happened. I would think about it. And so that transition for me really happened when I got into personal development and created a more consistent and committed morning routine and personal development practice where I journal on anything that's hard, on anything that's come up for me. And I work through my limiting beliefs in real time. It really impacted my ability to bounce back faster. When I first started my business, I think the first hard thing, which it wasn't even hard, but I was devastated that happened. I was creating a physical product. I found one factory that said they could make it. I was thrilled. I was so excited. I was talking to them back and forth, sending them like graphics of what I wanted to create for these plates I was making. And it didn't work out with them. Like they, I, I forget why it didn't work out. I don't know if it was the price or the amount of individual pieces I would have to create, you know, their minimum order quantity, whatever it was. And I was devastated for like two weeks. I didn't work on my business. I was like, oh my God, it didn't work. I was so sad. And now it's like, it's actually very sad to me that I was so sad about that one little, like, wasn't even like a rejection. It was just like, okay, find another factory. Who cares? That's the way I work, operate now. But I didn't. I didn't have those. I was devastated. I was so, oh my God, is this a sign that I should give up? Like, these are the kinds of crazy things we think through this consistent practice of personal development that became more and more prominent, I've been able to then really reduce that timeline. So now it's like in real time, literally something happens. I'm like, oh, that must have not been a good potential partnership. If that happened now and I was trying to create some product, I'd be like, I bet they were going to rip me off. I bet there was going to be something in that contract that wasn't going to go my way. And you know, there's, there's a better factory out there. It's going to be a better price and blah, blah, blah. And I would just go right into that new mindset. But it took years of a consistent practice of Self-awareness, I think, is the first key. Like being really honest with yourself and you have to approach it without shame. You have to really be open and kind to yourself and that there's nothing wrong with you. And all of the decisions you've made up until now, like you're just human. And that's what I tell myself all the time. Like whenever I'm having a bad day or it's really interesting at these higher levels of like hitting bigger goals, then my brain freaks out and tries to self-sabotage everything and I catch it. In the past, I didn't catch it. And I actually experienced like massive self-sabotage, which is really, really sad. And I I wish I could, obviously I don't have regrets because I think we're, again, it's lessons, but I wish I could go back in time and like shake myself and wake myself up. But, you know, you're sabotaging um, because you're uncomfortable with this level of success. But now I catch it and, and I'll tell my best friend, like, yeah, like my brain, it wants to like, literally like take down these courses, change this, change that. Like it's freaking out. And she's like, that's funny because you just hit your goal yesterday. And I'm like, oh, wow, self-sabotage. And then I realize it and I just tell myself, 
oh, it's okay. You're just human. You just have a human brain. You're just like everyone else. It's totally normal. And when I approach it from this place of like no shame, no judgment, like just a lot of love for myself, then I'm able to have the self-awareness. And then in my committed practice of personal development, I will work through whatever I need to work through in real time. So to summarize, it was not fully natural. I think that we all have glimmers of these experiences in our life. And if you didn't realize them in real time, look back now. That's one of my huge processes in busting limiting beliefs, like find evidence in your life or someone else's life or both. So with like things not working out and then working out better, I would encourage everyone listening to think about a time in your life where you wanted something really bad and you thought that that was the thing, but really it didn't work out and something better came. And if something better hasn't come yet, If you can just find one example in your life, or if you can't find any examples in your life, it's probably not true. Your brain's probably tricking you to say that there's no examples because when we really go deep, usually we can find things, but you can use my examples. You can use, okay, well, if that happened for Jacqueline, she's no different than I am. She's just human. Then it can happen for me too, right? So it's kind of a combination of things, but that's kind of how it developed. Yeah, I love that. It really reminds me of a idea that we talk about on the podcast a lot and it's certainly easier said than done but employing hindsight as foresight I think we all can learn the lesson after the experience happens but really trusting and another word that's coming to mind is faith right you have faith that the lesson is going to present itself so for example Ben and I were on a call last week and he said oh man it's tough you've been working to 9 p.m every night and i said yeah but this is what i do the personal development stuff for like i have faith that this is a opportunity to kind of employ a lot of the strategies techniques perspectives that i've been reading and writing about for so long just now you actually have to live those things which you know it's kind of reframing what might be a self-limiting belief of oh i don't have time or oh i'm so upset about this to kind of an empowered opportunity type reframe and the limiting belief or the limiting beliefs conversation that you brought up is really fascinating to me um, especially as the title of your second book was stop getting in your own way i think that's something that i personally deal with i know a lot of us deal with it of you know self whether it's self-sabotage or self-identifying in a certain way self-limiting belief that i come up on a lot and you actually mentioned in your questionnaire as well, is that good work has to be hard work. I think for the longest time, I grew up just seeing, you know, people I admired working really hard and putting in long hours or tooth and nail work. And I kind of associated that in order to be like successful, quote unquote, or like to produce good work, it had to be hard. It had to be a difficult, it had to be a challenge. So I'm wondering how you think about that. As you mentioned, going to the spa is what you consider work so you can feel good and show up to friends. Obviously, you know, there's some humor in that, but I think it's an important reframe of that. Sometimes good work should be the easiest work, right? The idea of things pulling you or a pull rather than a push. And I think that's a limiting belief that is almost consistent across society. So I was wondering if you could speak to that because I'm sure, or from what you've said, you've worked through it and I'm sure it comes up with your clients a lot as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's consistent, at least in US culture, like that in order to be successful, even if you didn't hear from your parents, the thing about limiting beliefs, they, they mostly form between birth and eight years old when your subconscious mind is forming. So in those years, you're like literally a walking subconscious mind absorbing everything that's going on. And we take a lot of our beliefs from authority figures. So it could have been parents, teachers, stuff you saw on TV and movies. 
So that's one that is, is really preached. And I think a lot of limiting beliefs, they come from good place, right? My parents, when they were telling me, you have to work really hard, they didn't want me to be lazy, right? They didn't want me to sell myself short in life. So they encouraged me to work really hard. And so, of course, I had this. And I think I think it's pretty universal, honestly, um, at least in the U.S. I don't know about other cultures. Um, I did study in Italy for a semester in college. And I definitely think there was a different culture around work. It was much slower, much less hours. Um, so I'd be curious to talk to someone who's maybe from Europe or uh, somewhere where it's a different culture, but at least speaking for the US, I will say it's universal. And uh, I recognize this belief mid 2019. So I was halfway through the first year my business generated six figures and I was working all the time really crazy hours, nights, weekends. I had no boundaries with clients. I, I was exhausted. I was starting to burn out. I've experienced burnout many times in my life. And it's so interesting to me. My mom says that I actually got it when I was a kid. She says that I would be like third grade and I would tell her I couldn't go to school. And she would say, why? And I would say, my legs feel really heavy. And at first she thought like, oh, Jacqueline has a fever, cold. She would all think, do you have a sore throat? Do you have nothing? I had no other symptoms, but I just felt exhausted. And she knew I was burned out. So she would let me stay home and rest. But, you know, I was the third grader that I think I wrote this in my, my questionnaire. Like I played three sports in one season and my mom said, you got to pick one. Like you can only play one in, at a season. And I'm like, no, I want to do it all. And so I, I think some of it was, I guess, innate, but again, because our subconscious mind formed so young, maybe that third grader was just taking what she saw and applying it, causing herself to burn out at such a young age. So I've experienced it a lot in my life and it would happen and then I would take a day rest and then you're good. You took a mental health day, you're fine, but obviously it doesn't solve it. And so it got to the point where I remember thinking, is this what I want? Is this what I've been working so hard for? I finally have this business that's actually working and I don't get to do all these things and enjoy my life. And I, I'm Saturday at 11 PM, I'm answering a client. And I thought, why don't I just have a job if this is going to be so hard? And because I was getting into personal development, I was really fortunate to come across a coach um, that I needed. And we've talked about this a bit, but I, I really love that quote. That I think it's the teacher appears when the student is ready. Um, so I came across this guy, James Webmore, who um, teaches sort of online coaches and course creators how to grow their businesses and scale. And he's like totally opposite on the whole hard work thing. And I signed up for his course and um, part of his like group coaching program. And I started seeing all these people who worked three hours a day and were making six, multiple six and seven figures. And it was mind blown. I remember uh, this one girl, I, I went to his conference as part of this event. And I met this one girl and she told me like, yeah, I work three hours a day and I make like three to 400K a year. And I was like, what? How is that possible? And this is so beautiful. This is why meeting people and the people you surround yourself with is so powerful because my box expanded. It might not have been possible for Jacqueline, but it was possible for this other person, right? And so I'm like, wow, I need to change this, right? I need to change this belief. So I did a lot of journaling on this, um, sort of the limiting belief busting process that I use. I've read it in a number of books and I've probably make my own version of it, I guess. That's kind of what you do. Take bits and pieces from everything. And I love things simple. My whole business is simple. Everything in my life is simple. I take the easiest route possible because why would we make it hard? It doesn't have to be. I really believe that. So anyways, step one is just identify the limiting beliefs. So hard work, 
creates success, right? That's kind of the limiting belief. And already in this, there's a problem in this statement because we don't know what hard work means. And so that's where I started actually. What does hard work mean to me? And I decided that the belief I wanted to let go of was long hours. I didn't want to let go of that they're never hard things because I still believe there's a pie that contributes to your success and there's different percentages. And I, I will call it hard work that's in my pie, but it's not the kind of hard work that other people think. Hard work for me is showing up after I get rejected, when I feel vulnerable, when I failed, getting out of my comfort zone, putting myself out there for the things I want. You know, that's hard, right? It's, it's hard being vulnerable. It's hard really going for it. It's hard overcoming self-sabotage, right? Though, so there are still hard things. I don't want to give the wrong idea to people because I think that it's important. And when I first started consuming content around, it can be easy. I felt really confused. I didn't understand, well, it feels hard to me though to do X, Y, Z. Um, and those things, they're always hard. It's always gonna be uncomfortable getting out of your comfort zone. And that's okay. That's a part of the process. You can enjoy the hard. It's like enjoying a hard workout, right? So I just feel it differently. So anyways, the belief that I was busting specifically was long hours because I did not want to work long hours. That was not a part of my vision, right? My vision for my life is freedom. How was I going to have that freedom from long hours? So then step two in the belief busting process is to give evidence that it's not ultimately true. A good question to ask yourself is, is this ultimately true? And so there were a few things I did. I wrote down some examples, anything I could find in my life of when something came to me easily. So, and, and I wanted it to be around money and, and success specifically because I thought that would help me. But sometimes if you don't have any examples in that area of your life, you can look at other areas of your life. So you might say, oh, it's relationships have always been easy for me, or it's always been easy to get good grades in school or whatever it was, right? There's usually other areas too, but I focus specifically in this context on like money and success. So I would write down when my grandma mails me $25 in a birthday card, that's easy. I don't have to do anything. I just have to live another year. And I would, I would come up with all kinds of examples like that. And then the second thing I did was come up with other people like this woman I met at this conference who was working three hours a day. I brought her name down. People I didn't even know, people I follow on Instagram that I, I kind of got the vibe that they weren't working that many hours. And I also wrote the opposite in this example. So for example, my parents work very, very, very hard. They both work 12 hour plus days and they deeply struggle with money. And so they were examples of if long hours made you super successful and super wealthy, my parents would be rich and they weren't, right? They were struggling. And so that was another example, like, gosh, it can't be true. If that was ultimately true, my parents would be millionaires. So this belief can't be ultimately true, right? And so once I come up with all that evidence, then you know, the third step, you know, pick the new belief. And so for me, my new belief was success and money comes from value. That's a good one for people. When, if you want to get more into the spirituality of it, I like to say success and money comes from my vibration, comes from the energy I'm putting out into the world. Um, I attract opportunities based on that energy. You could say success and money comes from putting myself out there. Another thing I like to say is commitment. My success equation really that I come up with in my head it's commitment and belief. So to be committed, you don't have to work 12 hour days, but to be committed, I show up unless I'm, you know, intentionally taking the day off or on vacation or whatever. I don't work on the weekends usually. So I show up five days a week, no matter what, no matter if I had a bad day, no matter if I'm committed to this. Committed means that no matter how hard it gets, no matter what challenges come in my way, I'm committed. 
I'm going to get back up. I'm going to figure it out. That's important. And then belief is a big part of it for me. After that, once you kind of go through that, you can start to implement that into your daily life with the new belief. So one thing I like to say is awareness is enough of limiting belief. So whatever you think you need to do to overcome the limiting belief, you have to do. So I like to keep it easy and say, you don't even need to go through that process if you don't want. You could just be aware that, hey, not everyone has to work really hard. Jacqueline's an example. I heard it on this podcast. Now I know, right? But one way that I like to kind of cement the belief, I would call it, is reminding myself. So it's about the self-awareness again. Like I catch myself when I'm working really long hours and I like to prove it to myself through experiments. And when you call it an experiment, it's fun and um, it takes away the pressure of it. So back during when COVID started, I lost some clients, you know, people had a lot of fear, losing opportunities, you know, so my business sort of had less work. And I thought, wouldn't this be a fun time to do an experiment? Let me see if I could really work three hours a day. And the experiment was, uh, can I work three hours a day and make the same amount of money? And I did it. I worked three hours a day, 12 to three, Monday to Friday. So what is that? 15 hours a week. And I made the same amount of money I made the month before working probably like eight, nine hour days. And I'm like, wow, it was a really cool experiment. I decided after that, that I would, I wanted to work more because I was actually very bored. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was a beautiful opportunity to see like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I do in my free time? I, I was begging Richie to get a puppy. I was turned down many times. Um, I'm like, man, like, what do I want to do with myself? But it was a really cool opportunity to give my brain more evidence of like, hey, it really doesn't, it doesn't come from that. Just kind of strengthening that more and more and more comes often from once you do something that creates some sort of success, attributing it to you and what you've done. So like when I've hit some of my bigger goals recently, I will look back and say, wow, that came from my belief. That came from my belief that this was possible. That came from my commitment to my goals. Not, I never say that came from working eight hours or 12 hours that one day. Right. And so just continuing to add fire to that. So that's kind of how I've worked through it. And um, I definitely recommend like giving your brain as much evidence as possible. And also thinking about like, what do you want for your life? Like sure, the hard work path can work. There are successful people who work tons and tons of hours, but like, do you ultimately want that? And if it could be easier, why not let it be? So that's kind of my journey with it and um, how I've changed my mindset around it and how I see hard work now play into it. Yeah, I think it's not always the case, but in your case, you're talking about it is important to identify the path of least resistance, right? We were recently talking about the elimination diet and how that's beneficial about for gut health, for our health and everything in between. And everything you talked about is extremely high level and we, will, we love being very tangible for the audiences. So could you explain to us without giving away your secret trademark for your business, what is the elimination diet that you've applied? that you were able to eliminate to achieve that three hour optimality, achieving the same outcome of 10 hours. Right, okay, There's. I wanna say this first. There's no secret trademark, there's nothing I hold back. I don't believe in that. I believe that the more value we can give in the world, the more successful we'll be. So I, I'm not like, you have to buy my course to hear this thing. <laughs> like, I will tell you any of my secrets for the record. So for a business specifically, I ask myself, does this activity make me money or make me happy, basically? And if the answer was no, then I didn't do it. So, I mean, I just stopped doing so many useless, like, do you know how many hours business owners spend like updating their website? Like 
that's not making me money. I haven't updated my website in the past six months. And I still get the same number of clients, right? I really force myself and it's really powerful because I force myself to work on the things that were uncomfortable because oftentimes like revenue generating activities require putting yourself out there, getting on sales calls, pitching yourself for things like they're very uncomfortable. And I did that essentially my whole work day. So it was really about like for every single activity, asking myself, like, is this essentially getting me closer to my goal? Right. So even if you're not a business owner and you want to eliminate and do things simpler, asking yourself, like, what are my goals? So for me, my goals were, you know, happiness and money. So is this making me money or making me happy? If not, toss. Right. And so you could do the same thing in any area of your life. Is this getting me closer to the goal or is it just a distraction? So often we do We actually do busy work to avoid the real thing that's going to get us closer because it's uncomfortable, because we're afraid to fail, because we're afraid of rejection. So it really calls you out because oftentimes like you could be working eight hours and spending seven of them doing random busy work that's not moving you any closer to your goal. I actually think that's one of the key contributors to like what made my business start actually making money. The simplest question, like, does this activity make me money? And if it didn't, sorry not going to do it unless it was made me feel good. And I was happy and I wanted to, you know, give my time to X, Y, Z, or, you know, something that I was passionate about, of course, but I think we can apply that to any goal and it's so profound. And we rarely ask ourselves those questions. That's such powerful advice. Admittedly, I'm one of the people that makes a to-do list of 20 things and then doesn't do the most two important things on the 20 item to-do list. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that is like really reframing the I guess the many things to the most important things. It's one thing to have a to-do list, but really I guess the most important to-do list I think is kind of a massive just new way of thinking about things that allows for the important things to get done, right? And I think that can be applied to what you kind of alluded to. We're using a business example, like a career context, but I think that can apply to any of the number of things that you're trying to work on. Like if you're trying to find your significant other, you should be going out on dates and meeting people and not just like swiping the day away on any of these dating apps. You know, I think there's so many vehicles for these same issues to manifest themselves in. Um, and I think I'm really curious for your thoughts on this because I'm sure working with clients, you see the person's same issue come up in every number of whatever they're working through. You know, it's like the same, I guess, root cause and a wide range of business relationships kind of across the gamut. So I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, how it's ultimately the one core issue that drives many of the issues in our lives. Yeah, I love that. I'm actually really passionate about this. And this is why when I was like doing all of that work to figure out like, who am I that I talked about in the beginning, I decided that I wanted to be a life coach because I realized that our life is not in boxes and we might think it is. But like you said, it's the same limiting beliefs that are going to come up over and over and over again. And sometimes we've mastered one box. Like I I definitely see clients who they have a thriving career, but they're still seeking that relationship or the opposite. You know, they have an awesome relationship, but they're, they're feeling so lost in their career. And it's interesting to me because in their brain, their identity is like, Oh, I'm really good at this, but I'm not good at this. So it goes back to that identity, right? The way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So the cool thing is like, if you can find any area of your life that you're good at, which most people have something, right? I'm the best um, son or daughter. I'm an awesome sibling. I'm, you you got to be good at something, right? And, and if you say you're not, 
that's your work to do. That's your inner work to do. Come up with a list of 10 things you're good at before today ends. You need to see your own value. That's really important. And when you do, you can actually like transfer that energy. So for me, like my relationship was thriving before my business was thriving. And so I would tell myself, well, if I can be really good at relationships, I must be able to be really good at business too, because it's the same things. It requires commitment. It requires confidence. It requires, and I have confidence and I have commitment and I have these things, courage, right? And I mean, literally it's so similar. I I attribute so much of success in relationships for me, especially like specifically with Richie, who is my, oh my God, I just almost said husband, the identity, (laughs) future husband. We're getting married in October. Anyways, uh, so much of that was the courage to put myself out there. Like I totally made the first move. Like I was the one who was always like being super vulnerable and that's how I literally live my business. Like I I'm so vulnerable. I put myself out there for things that are way out of my league. It's literally the same thing. And I take risks. That's what it is. Like I I was going back to college to DC and he was going to college in Philly. And I was like, we should keep dating. And he was like, what? That's crazy. And I was like, no, really like this is, this is, this is good. And I just, I just lived my life that way. And so you can find the character traits in the area of your life that you're good at and you can transfer them because if you really believe them on an identity level, like I proved from that study about the students and having the identity that they were clean, right? It's going to transfer. So I think that it's really powerful that our lives are so similar and it's actually a blessing because in one sense, yeah, you can say, oh, the same root cause, it keeps popping up for me. But you can also say, but I can change that because I can, you can always find one area of your life that you're good at. One thing that you've been good at in your life, you're good at sports, you're good at the gym, you're good at what, it's like, take that. What character traits does that require? What identity level does that success sort of need in order for you to have that success, right? And write them down. And pretty much, I mean, it takes the same things in any area of life. We need confidence. We need courage. We need commitment to things. We need to be vulnerable, right? These are the same things in in any area of your life you want to thrive in. Those are the keys, right? And so you can just take them and carry them with you and really embody that version of yourself that goes back to be, do have being that version of you the same confidence that you have at the gym you now have on that day, right? The same confidence you had in your relationship you bring into your business, it's the same thing. So I think that it can be a really beautiful thing. And I think that we have the ability to have an amazing life in all categories. And I think it's a limiting belief for a lot of people. You can't have it all. I call BS on that. And, you know, I remember growing up and my parents saying things like, oh, well, if you have a lot of money, you're not going to have a good family life really? Is that ultimately true? And and pushing that belief. And so again, if you have that where I have success in one area of my life and not another, is there a belief behind it, right? Is there a belief that it's either or? I believe in and. In all things, I rarely ever try to say the word or and I try to catch myself and say, okay, but can I have this and this? And of course, sometimes we have to make short-term trade-offs. Like, yeah, I did, you know, when I was starting my business in college, like I didn't go out on the weekends very much. I would work on my business and that was a trade-off I made in the short term, but I don't think that the ends justifies the means. And this is something I'm passionate about. I think that in society, we're often taught, like you should really, really, really struggle for this goal. And I think this goes back to the feeling thing because, okay, you're, you're miserable for, let's say you're trying to pay off all your debt. This is an example because I'm recently been on this whole debt-free journey. I read Dave Ramsey and all these things. 
And, and I like a lot of different principles of that, but I don't like this whole idea of like struggle, struggle, struggle. Like you can never drink coffee out or you're never going to get to your end goal. Right. You know, it's the same thing in often starting businesses. People like struggle, struggle, struggle until I sell my company and then I'll finally feel the way I want to feel or, you know, struggle, struggle, struggle in this career until I get this promotion or whatever it is. I don't believe that it has to be that way. And it's not to say that, again, there isn't hard work as a part of the pie, as I defined hard earlier. And it's not to say that you don't ever make trade-offs, but at the end of the day, the vision for your life, you can have both. What if you could save money and, and then this is the powerful thing that I would encourage you to do if you're listening to this and you feel like there's a trade-off in some area of your life where you're putting the trade-off there, ask yourself, what if I could have blank and blank? So what if I could save money and pay off my debt, for example? Well, when I asked myself that question, the answer was, oh, I can, I just... I need to make more money. So then the question is, another powerful question that I always ask, how can I blank? How can I make more money? Oh, I could double my prices. I could do one more speech a month. I could do X, Y, Z, right? I could ask my boss for a raise. I could go get a side job. I could, right? And there's always ways. When you ask yourself, how can I? The ideas just start flowing. So I think that it's really powerful that all areas of our life, um, the same stuff comes up. And I think that there's a beautiful opportunity to like, really introspectively look at that and ask yourself like, what if I could have it all? And I believe that we can. Thank you for listening to part one of our interview with Jacqueline DeGregorio. Part two will be released next Monday, March 7th, and we'll be discussing money mindsets and identity work. We appreciate you listening and hope you have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.